Thank you, Angie. Uh, today, man, I've got the bulletin, and Greg uh, reminded me Baptist men is not going to meet on the third, like it says in the bulletin. It's supposed to be on the tenth, so I'm going to do away with that little paper. And I got another little paper here. It said uh, a friend handed this to me. It says, "Now go. I will help you speak, and will teach you what to say." And that's exactly what God's done in my life this week, and I hope to share it with you uh, through the scriptures today. And it's a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, we're being on the Sermon on the Mount, the pursuit of happiness. And it's found in Matthew 5 and verse 12. So if you want to turn there, and uh, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. So if you would, just bow with me. Gentlemen, Father, man, we just humbly bow before you. Well, you just weren't the God of the back then and now. You're the God of today. And then, my Father, I just pray that your word might come alive to us today, that your Holy Spirit would be working in this building, working in our lives, where uh, we might be enlightened to what you have to say to us today about the pursuit of happiness, about uh, our lives being fulfilled and the purpose that you created us for. And then, my Father, I just pray that you just give me the clarity and I claim that promise in that scripture, then, my Father. As you taught me things this week, I just pray that I'm able to reveal, I'm able to be transparent, dear my Father. Use your servant here today. And dear my Father, I just pray that you just be at this church service. And more importantly, dear my Father, somebody out here doesn't know you, I just pray that your words will be crystal clear to them today and they might act on these and uh, get that relationship restored with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So turn to Matthew. Chapter 5, 512. Everybody got it? All right. Dwayne appointed the scriptures, so I just was the one that got to study them. So uh, it was pretty weird when Dwayne asked me to preach. I said, well, I guess I could. I don't normally get to, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that opportunity. But the uh, strange thing was, two weeks ago, I just got this scripture and we studied it in the youth group on Sunday night. So I was just amazed at how God works and I got to study it a little bit more in depth and uh, uh, hopefully I get to share my heart and hopefully I get to share what this, this scripture reveals today, okay? So uh, Matthew 5, verse 12. Here we go. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become saltless or tasteless, you can be made you cannot be made salty again. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled among upon the feet of men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Real quickly, the big thing here is you are the salt, the salt of the earth. 
I took off. Normally you think of salt, you think of what? Table salt, that type of thing. We did that. And uh, table salt. And that really applies to this verse. Can you think of some characteristics? You are the salt of the world. I stole some salt or got some salt at McDonald's today, a whole pocket full. But uh, salt's very readily available to us. Uh, Man, you go to McDonald's, you go to any restaurant, salt's sitting out on the table. Back then, salt was a real commodity. Uh, They used to get water out of the Mediterranean Sea, put it in these big uh, flasks and let it evaporate. And the stuff that was left over was salt. And there were some impurities in it. And I think that's where it gets, it's useless. But salt is very stable. Sodium chloride, very stable compound, okay? It stays together pretty good, okay? But sodium chloride, if you let this stuff sit around, it doesn't lose its saltiness. So I was going, hmm, I wonder what he meant by that. I was going, salt, we are the salt of the world. And I was going, wow, how is salt ineffective? It's just like all these salt packets at McDonald's. I saw a lot of people at McDonald's. Not everybody in McDonald's picked up a salt packet and said, hey, i got to salt my burger. i got to salt my fries. Okay? If you fail to use the salt, we lose the point of the salt, right? And back then, in those days, salt was used for what? Preservative, wasn't it? It was rubbed on the meat when you made a kill. You, you put salt on it. It saves out the rot, okay? This meat would not rot. So salt is a good preservative. We find in the Old Testament, when they used to give their offerings, God required them to offer some salt with their offering. I was going, wow, that's peculiar. That is unusual. But he did that because it lasts forever. He said, you are my people, and he just didn't mean for here and now the whole time. What makes us a people of God, a people of Abraham's race, isn't our lineage. You know, I've been born into it like the Jews thought. It's because we all have faith like Abraham had, right? We have faith in God. So he preserves that generation. We are part of that family, okay? So that salt is special in that way. You all are going, wow, I know a lot about salt, but is there more? Glad you asked. I've just found this out this week. Studying some more through my commentaries and stuff, I found out salt is also a little different. In this passage of Scripture, I didn't know it, but in the Greek, this, the salt of the world, was a metaphor a metaphor for wisdom. You are the salt of the world. I said, wow, I didn't know that about the Greek, but studying the Greek, that really made a lot more sense to me. And I said, hey, let's look at the other passages in the New Testament and see if that holds water. Look at this. Salt being wisdom, mind you. I found a couple other passages in the New Testament, and I said, wow, this could really hold light. Uh, Colossians 4, 6. Turn there with me. Do you got it? Colossians 4, 6. Let's read it here. 
Uh, let's start with verse 5. Consider yourself, uh, consider yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be flavored with grace through the measure of salt, that no one that you will know how to and should respond to each person you meet. Okay? What that's saying is, as salt, who gives us wisdom? God does. Who gave Solomon all the wisdom? God did. Who gives me wisdom? God does. When I open his word, who gives me insight in the scripture? The Holy Spirit. God does. Amen? So you see there how that's used as wisdom. Look at your scripture in Matthew. It says, you are the salt of the, or the earth. You are the wisdom. You are here put on a corrupt world to preserve a dying world. All right? To make it better. To sprinkle his wisdom to lost people. To me, that really makes sense, does it not to you? There's one other passage, and I won't go there, but if you want to, it is uh, Mark 9.50, where he uses salt again. But, man, to have that knowledge and that thing that we brush over, you are the salt of the world. Do you realize that wasn't a choice? Do you realize... You were up for the task because he said you were. You are the salt of the earth. You are wise because you are one of his, okay? He gives it to you. It's not because anything I did. It's because he gives it to you. And that's where I'm going here. You might say, well, Brent, God can't really use me. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. I didn't sign up to be salt. Sorry. If you ask him in, you signed up. I don't know how Dwayne reads up here. The older I get, man, it's kind of tough. For consider your calling, brothers, brethren, that there were, were not many... Wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, nor many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame those things such that are strong, and the base thing of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God, but by his own doing are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. I know it's hard to hear me read that. But it's not us. We are His creation. 
here's where I'm going with this. As I think of salt, I think of the Creator. He's here talking to this group of people about happiness, about having purpose in your life. And he says, you are the salt of the world. And these people are going, no, we're not. Man, it's the scribes and Pharisees if it's anybody. No, you are. You people that know me, you people that are my disciple are the salt of the world. He's going, no, no, that can't be. What did Moses say when God wanted to use him? No, I'm an unlearned man. I can't talk. I can't do it. Hey, he says that's the exact people he wants because people are going to know that guy can't do it on his own. He's going to have to trust in somebody. You see, by you being the salt, by you being that out there, people are going to know it's not your wisdom. It's not my wisdom that makes me smart. All right? It's Him. It's His wisdom. That's how I live life. That's how I flavor this world. When you're cooking, you put salt in to bring out the flavoring, don't you? Hey, in the world, we need Christians in there to flavor the world, to bring it out. That we are God's creation. That we need a relationship with Him. And then He says, you are the light of the world. He uses the same R. He didn't ask if you wanted to be the light, okay? There was no asking about it. He said, you are the light. I found this neat. Where's light first mentioned? Genesis 1, 3, and 4. He made light. He knows a lot about light. And then he said, you are a city up on the hill that reflects. I think of us as the body of believers. All these lights put together. And one thing a light does, is it gives off light, it illuminates, it dispels darkness. And he says, for you guys, if you're really mine, you're going to give off a light. You shouldn't go hide it under a basket. And I thought, wow, how many times do you really need a light? Do I go, wow, where's the basket? I've got to hide my light. No, trust me, the youth were on a camp out, and a big storm came up, guys, didn't it? And we were all in this cabin, it was dark outside, and wham, bam, there was no light. It was gone. So naturally, us being of the 21st century, we got out all our nifty phones, you know, smartphones that had the little lights on them. Guys, let me tell you how long that lasted. Not very long, and everybody's going, i got to charge my phone. Man, did anybody bring a flashlight? No. We had Matt Wise. I think he's the only one that brought a flashlight. But, man, we found 12 candles in the cupboard in the kitchen. And they were old candles. But we lit them. And we used them. We didn't go, ah, I've got to go hide them under this uh, mixing bowl here. No, we held them up. We held them high. Everybody got some. And everybody walked around with these candles so we could see. When we went to the bathroom to brush our teeth, that was interesting. It was, if the light went, 
you didn't know where to spit. You know what I mean? It was bad. Okay? But we learned something. Light was important. It was awful dark out in the country with no lights. God taught us something. He doesn't want any secret Christians. No disguise by hiding your light. If you're person enough to say, hey, Jesus Christ lives in my life, show it. Show it. And we did Disciple Now. One of the tests for me walking the Christian life, what's my fruit look like? If I'm saying I'm an apple tree, am I producing apples? If I say I'm a cherry tree, am I producing cherries? Guys, it's not my job. It's not Dwayne's job. It's not your job to judge other people's fruit. But each one of us need to see the light that we're putting off. Amen? Because there's going to come a day when you have to answer. And I think that's what he was saying. You are the light of the world. I gave you this responsibility. You are the light. Dispel the darkness. Go out and show people. Go out and illuminate. I got a neat story. This big uh, aircraft carrier was coming through this unfamiliar part of water. The captain, or the main guy of the ship, man, very proud, very nice guy, you know. He's telling one of the little privates over here, oh, I see off in the distance, there's a ship out there, I see his light. He needs to change his course. Radio ahead and have that guy change his course, because we're not changing our course. We're going to keep it straight. And so the private gets on the radio and he radios the other ship or whatever out there makes contact flashes the lights you know makes sure that the other ship knew and he flashed back uh i'm not going to change my course oh this made the guy mad furious this is a u.s warship we are not changing our course please change your course now and he's approaching it and he flashed back he's not going to change his course Oh, man, this is making that captain so mad. He's just going, I can't believe this guy is actually going to make us change course. We're going to collide. And about then, the other light in the distance was getting closer. He flashed back, I'm a lighthouse. Change your course. As Christians, people, sometimes I think we're more like the captain. Instead of making our life seasoned with salt, that we can help the cause of Christ, we want to make more of something else. Little petty things. The foxes that steal the grapes. You see, God didn't put us here on the earth to make big of us. We are supposed to make big of Him. It says in the verse there, right after this, our number one purpose is to glorify Him. Amen? And we lose perspective so often that we get to thinking, I'm God. I'm in charge. We're not. It's time for us to wake up and realize we all, as a body of Christ, 
if we put our lights together, can make an awful bright light to impact our community, to impact our community for the cause of Christ, to show them the way. And the way is Jesus Christ, right? To have that life. And a lot of people, guys, listen to me, a lot of people are searching for that life that's going to be worth something. How can I make my life count? How can I do what I need to do? It's not about the money we get. It's not about the things we get. It's about Him. Yes, it's nice to have that stuff, but it's about Him. About making much of Him. Isn't He the one that blesses us? Getting down there to glorify Him is what it's all about. I gave you scriptures today. I gave you stuff that you know that I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. This is what God is telling you. This thing was written. This is one of the first sermons that he gives these people. His people that are following him. A large number. He says, hey, blessed are you, blessed are you. Peace be with you. Happiness go with you. And then he gives the salt and the light, and then we're to glorify him. And he says, I've come not to make this law null and void in the Old Testament, but I've come that I might fulfill. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees thought they were all about, keeping the laws. They knew the laws really well. They memorized the laws, didn't they? They had it memorized. As a young kid, they memorized these laws. They know what the laws are all about. It wasn't about keeping the laws. He says the laws are going to show you that you are what? A sinner. You're not going to be made right by keeping all these laws. It's about you being known as a sinner and knowing there's nothing you can do about it. And In the Bible it says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our goodness is as filthy rags. That's the reason we shouldn't boast about anything we do. We need to boast about Him. That's the only reason we're able to accomplish anything is through Him. Amen? This film, when you go watch it, Courageous, isn't about the people that made it. It's about Him. It's about being the salt, being the light. That's the reason I want you to see, get pumped up for this Bible study. Because so many people in our realm we live with are searching for a purpose, searching for some significance. And the only thing that's going to bring them significance in life is Jesus Christ. Amen? By glorifying Him. We lose it so often that we can't see it. There's missionaries that lay their life on the line because they make much of not themselves, but of Him. They don't get all tied up with all this American stuff. But it's easy to get entangled in the American dream. The American dream isn't it. How many of you all read the Radical book? 
radical thing is it's about him and not me. So if you want to be really happy, don't listen to what the world has to say. Listen to what your Bible has to say. Your Bible says make much of him. One other verse. Dwayne didn't have it down for me. I don't know if he's going to preach on this later, but I found it interesting. Is he's going to follow the law to the T, to the tiniest mark. He's going to fulfill it. A lot of times the scribes and Pharisees were always proud about how much of the law they kept. And they kept track of that. And I got a guy that comes to our men's Bible study. And he says, hey, isn't it wrong if you try to keep the law for the sake of keeping the law to prove that you can keep the law for your own self-righteousness? That would be right. That would be it. You can't make yourself self-righteous. But he kept the law to fulfill the law and to make a way for us. He kept it down to the T. I don't know if you know it, but the law was written in Hebrew. And Hebrew writing is just a little bit much for me. I think Greek's much, Hebrew's much. But let me give you this little tidbit about Hebrew. Hebrew is a very complicated language. And these little tails they got on their letters and these little things that look like almost a comma that are that minute mean big things. He says nothing is going to be overlooked. All this stuff the prophet said, all this stuff that I said about myself, I'm going to fulfill. And that's the way it's going to be. You guys won't be able to. And what's the law for? To prove that we are sinners. Romans 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care how much you think you can live the law, you cannot live the law. We are sinners. We have failed. And he says, I come to fulfill it. And by fulfilling it, he sets us free. He gives us his righteousness. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see a sinner if you know him as your personal Savior. He sees his son in you. Isn't that awesome? You are heirs. You don't have to be of the Jewish lineage. You are heirs because you're a believer. Amen? And that's where the faith, and that's where Abraham ties in. Abraham, we are Abraham's people because of our faith we have in Christ. Amen? That's it. So if we really want to be happy, and we know that we are, we need to be the salt, we need to be the light. I want you all to say it. We need to be the Very good. And that salt just doesn't mean table salt, okay? We sprinkle a little bit on, okay? That means he is the wisdom that lives in us, and that's how we live our lives. And he's the light. One of the cool things I saw on light, and I forgot to share this with you when I was talking about light, is, uh, man, when I was younger, I used to go out hunting coyotes. You always got these bright lights. And every one of these bright lights had a rating on them. They didn't tell you the wattage. But the neat thing was they told you how many candles, candle, it would make them produce that light. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And you get these lights of 100,000 candle light power. 
And you hit that thing on, wow, you know, that thing really shines. And then you get these ones that are a million, and man, how far they would shine. That was just awesome. But do you know, one little light dispels the darkness. One little light can do that. He gives us that kind of power in our lives to dispel darkness. A lot of times we don't think we got the power, but we do. We have Jesus Christ living in our heart. He is the power. He is the salt, and He is the light that lives in us. And it's more than an outward appearance, guys. It's an inward thought process. You're going to see that as Brother Dwayne preaches the rest of this. It's a battle on the inside, not just the outward appearance, but a battle on the inside, getting your heart right with God. And that's how God talks, doesn't he? He talks to a still, small voice. We have to get our ears right up to his lips so we can hear him talking to us. Okay? That's how he talks in that still, small voice. Can he get your attention? You better believe it. But so many times in the Bible, he says, those that have ears, let them hear. So many times we block the message. We run over it. We don't take time to season ourselves with what he's really talking about. Today, I hope you saw how he was talking to us in Scripture, how to be the salt and how to be the light. Amen? All right. If you would stand. very simple message today do you know that your pastor me i was at walmart last week my wife asked me to do a little honeydew project to go to walmart and grab some last minute stuff how many of y'all are real willing to do that yeah out of love and respect for my wife i went with a few grumbling words as i went out the door I get to Walmart, and we're having, uh, you know, a dinner and all that, and we've got to get it ready. And lo and behold, I'm in a hurry, and there's a guy standing outside Walmart as I left with a sign, please help, need food. Man, if you want to know how this lesson came to the youth group, that's it. I drove by that guy. I didn't stop and help because I was in a hurry. And that cut me to the quick. That cut me to the bone. Because I heard his words come to me. And they said, I'm sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm able to pierce the heart and I'm able to cut down. And I found myself passing by and not applying God's word to my heart. And I wasn't his salt and I wasn't his light at that time. I hope that guy got help. But, man, do you realize how many times we need to be the salt and the light and we fail? You know, he died for all those times. We just need to confess and we need to go on and be the salt and light after we do that, okay? But we really need to get our lights right. And that's where that message hit me with the youth group that night. That's the reason we studied it. But as I was studying it for this service, that thing still cuts me. That thing still gets me. Man, how much time do I take my priorities, my wants, 
and I call myself a Christian and I don't do what I need to do. I'm thankful that He forgives and I'm thankful that He's called me. But sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I need to confess. Sometimes I need to get that relationship right. You know what I mean. It's hard. But He didn't call me to live a perfect life. Okay? He just called me to live a saved life. And I'm going to do better. Okay? Maybe you're there today. Maybe you got that kind of hurt in your heart going on. Maybe you need to come to this altar and deal with it. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your salt and life. Maybe you say there ain't no way. But He's calling. You know He is. Don't put it off. Make the decision today. Do it before it's too late.